0: This is a podcast from the Royal Court Theatre. Series 2 was recorded over the summer of 2017. The following content may contain strong language.
1: Welcome to the second series of the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights podcast with me, Simon Stevens. The career of Bola Ogbaje launched with one of the most confident and exciting debut swaggers in playwriting this century. Another of the graduates of Leo Butler's Energetic Young Writers' Programme here at the Royal Court in 2007, Albaje's Gone Too Far followed two young brothers raised in two different continents. One, Yemi, in London, and his elder brother, Ikedaisi, raised in Nigeria. The play charts the tension of the cultural clash when Ukidaisi moves to live with Yemi in London and then throws them out into a multicultural capital that lacerates any notion of a shared black identity while celebrating the complicatedness of their humanity. It was produced in 2007's Young Writers Festival, won a Barge and Olivier Award for outstanding achievement in an affiliated theatre, and was transferred to the theatre downstairs in 2008. Agbaje followed Gone Too Far with 2010's morality study Off The Ends. It charted the effects of Ashley Waters' David returning from jail to explode the life of his middle-class childhood friend Kojo. The play was received with real admiration for the rigour and honesty of Agbaje's examination of the emotional consequences of structural racism and the way that can define and paralyse the lives of her protagonists. 2012's Belong, commissioned by British African theatre company Tiati Fahodze, saw her move her focus into the world of Nigerian politics and the possibility of corruption and dignity alike in that country. In the past five years, Obaje has written widely for theatre, seeing work staged at the Tricycle, the Riverside Studios, Oval House and Trafalgar Studios. Her most recent play, Bitches, written for the National Youth Theatre, was performed at the Fimbra. Over the past five years, she's also established herself as a screenwriter of increasing confidence. A series of short films culminated in the feature release of her own adaptation of Gone Too Far. She has suggested that her ultimate ambition as a writer lies in writing for film. Taking inspiration from the dramatic axis that spins from Nigeria to London and that her parents crossed in settling in England in the 80s, Agbaje is engaged in a bracing moral interrogation of the tensions between compromise and aspiration as characters make sense of what their home is or how it is ever possible either to live at home or leave it. She has become an iconic dramatist for an entire generation of young playwrights. Bala welcome to the Royal Court.
0: Thank you, that's so good. <laughs> Next play, there should be a poster that's of that says all that.
1: We can arrange that, we'll arrange yeah. that, it'll be a really huge poster. <laughs> How you doing mate? I'm
0: good. It's How been a you? long time. I know, We've seen we you for we're saying, yeah, it's yeah. been ages.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very good, I've got a slight cold, so uh, that's going to manifest itself in beautiful kind of sound effects on this that's podcast okay. when people listening. The, um, I often start, in fact, I always start these podcasts with the same question, mm-hmm. which is, um, when was the first time you went to the theatre?
0: Oh, hmm that's an interesting question. First time I went to the theatre, I was in secondary school, I was in, I was doing drama GCSE, so I think it was year 10, and I went to go and watch um, Blood Brothers um, in the West End.
1: In the West, in the Phoenix yeah theater with, with the famous phoenix theater bar Underneath I that bar. Know about
0: the bar when no, I was it's, it's like the one of the one of the most famous
1: kind of like scuzzy theatre bars in London. Theatre. What's it called? That bar. Shuttleworths. Shuttleworths theatre mm-hmm. bar. Mm-hmm. We should not talk about playwriting. Let's just talk, <laughs> Let's about, talk about Shuttleworths the bar. bar in the basement of the Phoenix Theatre. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's quite late. A lot of people, when I asked them that question, have talked about childhood memories of theatre. That was the first time you remember it was going in year ten. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I
0: didn't grow up knowing about theatre, so right. it was just the only reason why we went. To go and see that play was that um our um, head teacher because I went to um, in my secondary school yeah. was into theatre and was into she was a drama teacher and so um, when we did drama when she took over the drama um, GCSE classes she introduced taking um, us to the theatre and so that was the first time yeah that what did
1: remember. you
0: make of it I mean I loved it I really. It's really weird cuz like sometimes it was it's it's taken me a while to kind of look back and kind of analyze like where this thing for writing came from. Yeah. Um and yeah, I think that for me at that point it was at, the, at that time I wanted to be an actor so I think that what struck me about the play was that um I was just like oh my god I just want to be on stage like that. Like mm. that was the major thing for me. Um and I didn't really think about writing. I didn't think about what the writing meant. I just I just knew the effects that plays had on people from that play. Um and I just mm. wanted to do things like that. Um but yeah, I just enjoyed it. I mean, I was it's a long time ago. I'm thirty six now, I can't remember half of like my secondary school years. Right. So like <laughs> Where did you go to school? Where did you go I went, to I went to St Saviour's and St Olaf's in um in Old Kent Road. Man, so you're born South
1: in proper London. Londoner. Yeah, proper South London. Yeah. You're still in South London now? Yeah, I am. yeah. Yeah. What was school like?
0: School was I mean it was a girls' school, it was a girls' school.
1: Right. It's Catholic school by the sound. Yeah it was, it was, yeah, it was yeah. a Catholic
0: grammar school. Um so yeah, stresses of having to deal with girls and cattiness and bitchiness. That was just secondary school life. Yeah.
1: The um did you write at school?
0: No, not at all. Um I mean, I enjoyed English. I enjoyed English language um, and I enjoyed reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a really good English teacher. She was really, she was like young. It was like her, we were her first um, class. So she was really like enthusiastic and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I don't don't remember writing anything, no. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I do remember that obviously that was creative that I could kind of link back to like why I'm a writer now is just that at home, um, me and my siblings, we used to kind of, make stories up and perform to each other and stuff to entertain each other. And so we would always kind of create kind of little scenarios and do like improv together and stuff right. like that. Um, and that's the only thing that I can kind of go, oh, that was some, something or somewhere where I was interested in like writing. Um, but also just watching television, I think, was the major thing. What television
1: were you watching? We
0: just used to watch a lot of American content. Right. Um. So like things like The Cosby Show, mm. like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm. Um and we didn't have sky so at the time it wasn't called sky it was called cable i think and right. then but our next door neighbor did and then you know like on your old television and uh-huh. um, back in the days if you put it on like the video channel for some strange reason we would always get like whatever they were watching so whatever <laughs> our neighbors were watching whatever films they were watching was what we watched in our house because we didn't have it or i used to get our cousins to um record mtv for us um on like a cassette on vhs yeah on vhs and then Brilliant. like get them to record like as many shows as possible and then watch that <laughs> that's, how, that's how we rolled. <laughs> the
1: um, so, but these plays that you were improvising with your siblings, you were just performing for your, each other. You weren't. Yeah. Pu- you were Did you perform them to your folks or anything? Or?
0: No, we were just doing role play, like just playing around at home and outside and stuff.
1: Were you born in London? Yeah. And your fa- but your parents came over from Nigeria.
0: Yeah, my parents. My parents came over. My dad came over um, in the eighties um, to study. He came to come and study um, design, right. and he originally was gonna go back to Nigeria, but then my mum came over, and so yeah, and then they had me here.
1: But you went briefly. I read because I did a small amount. I do research for these things. I do do research for these things. I don't just make it all up. That's you it. had a couple of years back in Nigeria. When I did. You were yeah, yeah. Child. So cause, you have cause sensory muscle memory of that.
0: I mean, yeah, I do. I have so many because I I go back I go back often now, and there's sometimes right. things will trigger like like I remember a place or I remember a school that we went to or I remember a street and stuff. Um, but yeah, we, my dad moved back because he wanted to kind of move back to Nigeria. Um, and so we went with him and my myself and my brother, we lived there for like two and a half years and then came back. he had enough (laughs) and then i had older siblings who were there which was what inspired gone too far in the first place because my two older sisters um lived with my grandparents so when my parents came over here to study Mm -hmm. um my grandparents looked after my two older sisters okay and so when i came back a year after um my sisters and came over and that was like the first time we kind of like were living together and met each other and stuff.
1: And so that the the interruption, the cultural shock of interruption yeah, that you dramatised and gone too far was yeah, inspired by their experience. Do you remember them coming over? Do you oh, remember? I
0: remember the day and everything. Because we you were you so excited. Like Because we when we went to Nigeria, we would visit them, but we wouldn't, because they were with my grandparents. So we, me and my brother lived with my dad and um, my sisters would live with my grandparents. Um, so... Like, I knew they were my sisters and my siblings, but, like, we didn't really... Like, there wasn't... I was, like, six, seven, so I didn't mm-hmm. really understand it all. And then... Um, but when we came back, I knew that I had older sisters and mm-hmm. I knew that they were coming to live with us. And my, my brother and I, we were really, really excited, but it was... Yeah, they weren't. They weren't. They. It was just that... As soon as they came, it was literally two different households. It was, like, the British kids versus the African kids. Because one of my sisters as well, she was kind of... She went through the motions of like she felt that like she was abandoned by my parents and mm-hmm. stuff and so she kind of had a tough time and also she came when she was 11 so it was like going straight into secondary school and so and she had an african accent so she had a really really hard time yeah. and so for her she was just kind of anti-everything british and and like and that included me and my brother so we used to fight a lot God. which is real crazy i know and now like my sisters are my best friends, so it's like really funny to. Did they stay like
1: in London that. for a long time? They are still in yeah, London still now. Now. Yeah, they're still here now. Yeah, they're here now, and yeah, they've yeah. got
0: kids now, and right. um, and it's really interesting because one of my sister who was having like a really hard time, um, and. And she would fight with my mum and, like, they would always be at loggerhead with each other. And now that she's got kids, she's kind of, like, she understands the sacrifices that parents would make, like, yeah. and the things that parents will do, like, for the benefits of their children. So sometimes, mm-hmm. like, she's got one of her sons, he's a bit naughty, Um, she's kind of, she was considering sending him back to Nigeria to go, to go private school in Nigeria. But... But then she's so traumatised about her experience, like not being being away from my parents, that she kind of is like, no, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Uh Um, But it's interesting seeing how she sympathises with my parents now that she's a parent.
1: Yeah, we get to forgive our parents when we she really. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait for our children to forgive us. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I think that's what she's
0: going through
1: now. That's the problem. So did you leave school with the hope of becoming an actor?
0: I mean, I left school, yeah, I kind of did. But you know what it was? Because I grew up in Peckham. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't grow up around anyone who went to drama school or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And like my parents didn't really know about the arts in that type of way either. So, um, oh, actually, my dad did. So when I was younger, my dad's brother wanted to be an actor when he was in Nigeria. And he was actually a playwright in Nigeria. Wow. Um, But he was an amateur playwright. Um, But in Africa, obviously, um, at the time... <laughs> if you was, if you did arts, you were seen as someone who lazed around and was kind of, kind of like someone that just didn't care about your life. That's what my dad like, kind of referred. Unlike to. Unlike in England, so, where we
1: value artists as kind yeah, of yeah. So and in Nigeria, my dad grew up, up with like
0: yeah, like he was like everyone who did. He was like my dad's whole saying was always just, like everyone who did drama smoked weed and didn't have a job. Like yeah, that was much all my right. dad.
1: Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> <So, like, laughs> yeah, knew a lot. <laughs> so
0: for him, he was just like when I. Um, and my sister reminded me of this because my older sister, she wanted to, she was, she did acting and she picked drama um, A-levels yeah. and um, my dad gave her a hard time about it um, but she still did it and, and but she was really good at it as well. Um, so I think she kind of softened the blow for when I wanted to pick drama because it was okay. almost like, oh well, nothing's happened to her. She's all right. <laughs> like, all right, you can do it. You don't need to be a doctor or a lawyer. So they were kind of, they were a little bit like, they were easy with me but, right. but at the same time it was just almost like, I didn't really know any ways of like, Becoming an actor, so like it was when I was in secondary school and in college, it mm. was really just the dream. It was kind of like I yeah. want to be an actor, but I yeah. didn't do anything about it.
1: So, what happened? And
0: then, um, it was literally after college and um, university. Where did you go um, to university? I went to Greenwich University. So
1: you I d- stayed in South London for university as well, yeah. I did, yeah. yeah,
0: but I only went to university because I was just like, well. I didn't want to be jobless and um, if I went to university it sounded good because people would just be like oh you went to university it's like oh yeah cool yeah. <laughs> rather than rather than like you know like you're not doing anything because I didn't know what I wanted to do at 21 so I was, yeah. you know like 18 19 so I was I never like I knew I wanted to be an actor but I didn't know how to do it so yeah. then I was kind of in this weird kind of like and my parents were just like just go to university so I literally like the last minute picked just I was like all right I'll just go to Greenwich. <laughs> And then ended up going What did to you study? It. I studied media and communications.
1: How was it?
0: I mean, it was all right. It was okay. Yeah. But I made some good friends. So yeah, that was cool. that's
1: important. Yeah. That's the things... The but things. I wish
0: I went away for university. Do you? Because everyone, yeah, everyone who went outside London, yeah. like, had a different experience than us lot that stayed in London. Right. Because I also stayed at home. Mm-hmm. So I think it was... That's the only thing that I think... Um. When my younger sister went to university, I was like, no, definitely go. Like, you need to kind of just, like, you know go far away from that. How many
1: siblings career? are there in your family? Five of us. And uh, brothers as well? All one five? brother, yeah. Yeah, right.
0: Four girls,
1: one boy. Huh. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's very good. The uh, I like the way you say that as though it's kind of like a big boast of defiance.
0: I mean, it is because it's like, you know what's so funny about being a writer and like, Part of this industry is like you always ask like, what's it like being a strong woman and <laughs> and like all this stuff and you're just like I'm like I grew up in a house full of vocal women like I grew up in a house full of women who called the shots like my mom was the one who my dad was quite bossy but like my mum was there's just more women so my dad was always the type of person that he just wouldn't want to argue so like we all won arguments because it was just like oh it's just best not to argue with these girls kind of thing. <laughs> so it's like so weird coming into an industry where people are just like oh it's so unique being a woman you're just like um not really <laughs>
1: Used to this <laughs> so what led you from uh, graduating from the greenwich university with a media and communications degree into the royal court young writers program
0: so i worked in um, oxford street like most people in london did um and i worked in top shop and at top shop i met someone um i met um a friend of mine femi Oguns, who now runs identity drama school who's Ooh. now a huge agent now Um, and he had just finished um, you know he's just finished going to RADA I think and he was complaining about the fact that obviously he wanted to be an actor and he went to RADA but then there's no jobs for black people so he said he's setting up a drama school and he was just like and I said oh I want to be an actor he's like come to my drama school Um, and so he set up this part-time drama school um, in the Arcola um, theatre and that's where I kind of ended up and that's where I kind of started training as an actor.
1: But you were training as an actor, not as a writer. No,
0: yeah, as a as an actor.
1: So, so tell me about the journey from there into into the Young Writers Program. Presumably, you went to the Young Writers Program with the ambition of writing. And so yeah, that. I yeah. did.
0: So obviously, um, so we set up this drama school, we were like the first students for this drama school. He had never had a drama school before, we didn't know what a drama school was either. So all it was right. kind of like we were all learning along the way. And um and then every every term he would say, Oh, I'm gonna bring some agents in and um you're all gonna get agents and it's gonna be amazing. And then like, <laughs> but agents wouldn't come. Or like like because it's, it's new, it was a new drama school. People didn't know what it was, yeah. and um, but also like we just didn't. Every time we were trying to select plays to kind of perform for like an end of year showcase, yeah. there just wasn't any plays where there were any black characters or mm-hmm. sustain like characters that I felt that you know I would want to play. Um, so I remember it kind of like because it was I think it was like two thousand and four or two thousand and five. Um, where i was just like i've just had enough i've had enough of going to drama school it just felt like nothing was happening Mm. um and then um i was talking to my younger brother and that's when we started talking about well we should just write our own stuff and we should just kind of do our own thing and we shouldn't worry about other people doing it we should do it Mm -hmm. um and then at the time I was working in Foot Locker in Oxford Street, so I'd moved from top um, topshop to footlocker. It's a very and, um,
1: different atmosphere altogether. Yeah, it's totally <laughs>
0: different. Um and I hated working in Foot... I mean I I hated working in Topshop, but yeah. Topshop was huge, so like you could kind of get away with skiving. whereas Foot Locker <laughs> you couldn't because people kind of always saw you and you couldn't there was hardly anywhere to hide. Yeah. Um I wasn't a really good sales assistant, I was really rubbish. Um <laughs> but I used to kind of write ideas on the back of till receipts and stuff like that. Ideas for plays? Yeah, not plays, no, films. Films films. and television, yeah. So I used to write ideas down for films and television. Um, And then... um, And then, but then, you know, I was young, so I kind of, I was one of those people that it's like I had ideas, but I didn't know how to um, execute it. So Mm -hmm. I would write things down, but I wouldn't know what to do. And then it was my frustration kind of leaving drama school and leaving the part-time drama school um, and going, you know what? I'm getting older. And I think I just turned, I was turning 25, 26. No, 26, because... um, When I found, I Googled like writing courses, because I was like, all right, fine, I'm going to kind of leave drama school, but I don't want to, I want to do something within the arts and I want to write. I think I want to write. And so I was looking for courses like film courses, like how to write films. Um, But the Royal Court was the first thing that came up. (laughs) And so um, the writers program for the Royal Court came up, but it was 16 to 25 and I was just going to... I was almost turning 26. So I remember it was, like, the last day for submission. And I called them. I was just like, I really want to do this course. Um, like, but I'm turning 26. Is that going to be okay? They were like, yeah, it's fine. Like, come down. Like, yeah. And then <laughs> Was that like Nina really Linden clear.
1: still running the Young Writers Programme? Yeah, it was, Nina, a, a yeah it was Nina. Yeah, it yeah. was yeah. yeah. Nina. Yeah, 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 Nina Linden, who now runs Hackney Showrooms. And but, Show but also, groups. it was... Yeah.
0: Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but, yeah, no, what was... Um, important about that was also it was because it was the young black writers um, program so it was called right. Critical, Mass. Critical Mass yeah yeah. yeah. so it... that was the one that I guess came up because also it's like the internet was old back then so it wasn't like how the internet is now like it's not
1: <laughs> it's in like... what <laughs> in what way because you know
0: like it's like when you're like searching for stuff I don't in even the... think it was like Google I think it was like Yahoo or like AOL ask or Jeeves. something like yeah or <laughs> Ask Jeeves or something like it wasn't yeah, it's such a long time ago now, yeah. like, ten years ago now. So it
1: wasn't Leo Butler um, who taught you?
0: No, it was Dawn um, Walton and... Dawn Walton, um, yeah, and brilliant. And Levi. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and so it came down. And so it was so funny because... Femi had said to me, like, you shouldn't quit. You should just kind of stick it through. Like, it's going to be amazing. Don't worry. Like, we're going to sort this, like, the drama school's going to change. It's going to be great. And Mm -hmm. we're going to sort everything out. And I was just like, no, I'm going to go and be a writer. I'm going to do it. He's like, you're making a mistake. Um, And then, because he said to me, you're making a mistake. I was like, I've got to do this course. And, like, I've got to go. And I've got to make sure that I attend every single lesson and learn something. So I came in with the intent that, like, at the end of it, I've got to write something. Um and then the and how was history. it what
1: was the course like
0: it was great like I loved it it was like an evening in a week um, yeah. one evening in a week I think it was Wednesday Yeah. and it was the first time I'd ever been to the Royal Court Um, never been here before Um, and yeah I just I felt I learnt so much I'd learnt so much but I think also I had I kind of knew that I wanted to write at that point so I think I was ready and I was open to receive like the knowledge that I'd learnt
1: right. in the course yeah. and was Gone Too Far written on the course
0: yeah it was so we had watched um, Levi's play yeah. and then um, I think it was like three weeks into, like before the end of the um, course they said like you know there's this festival that's coming up yeah. and um, so if you could write you know write a play if you um, submit into it then you know, it's got a chance of being upstairs where Levi's Play was, yeah. I was like, yeah, I could do this. What was Levi's Play? Levi's Play was 92.3. The radio station
1: The radio station one, yeah, one. was yeah. really brilliant. Yeah. And then he wrote Oxford Street. Oxford Street, yeah. 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 Which was done in... Uh, and
0: Elephant and Castle, Elephant and yeah, Castle shopping that was really center. cool. Exactly. yeah it was
1: very cool. Yeah. Um, so what do you remember about writing Gone Too Far? What did you know before you started writing that play? Do you remember? Well,
0: so how Gone Too Far came about was that on the course, we yeah. had one of the workshops was, and I think we've done, you've taught this workshop as well, which is that bring a newspaper clipping in and um, from it write, have to create characters and write um, a page of dialogue. And so on the course... Um, they said, bring a newspaper clip in, and I did. And at the time, there was a newspaper clipping in about a girl who got raped in... Um, this is so odd, because obviously my play is comedy and it's nothing to do with it. But, mm. but it was about a girl who got raped in Sainsbury's um, toilets. It was, like, years ago. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, that was my newspaper clip in. But then... So the, the... um um What was it? Not the question. Um.
1: The task. Of the, the task, exercise, that's yeah.
0: it. Yeah, the task was... Um, just to create something inspired by it. So right. I was just like, Well, what would what would the security guards be doing if they weren't um, following if they weren't um, you know looking after like the, the shops and stuff mm-hmm. and so my idea was that well clearly they must have just been following black kids <laughs> so because obviously like my experience <laughs> my experience in like shopping centres when I was a kid even now sometimes this is like you know security guards it's like oh yeah you're going to steal something and then it brought, and then it triggered the memory because it triggered like my brother because he's quite naughty when was younger yeah. um, and the corner shop used to be across the road from my house but my brother used to come back from school And then say he's going to the corner shop and like and disappear for hours. And then like we'd have to go out and look for him and all sorts of stuff. But every his excuse for going out was always I'm going to the shop. And so it inspired it inspired the idea of, oh, okay, well, um Security Guard would be following two black kids because they're in the shop. And then it was about what would and what would the excuse of those kids be? Like, that would be an excuse that something major happens in the shop, that's why he took forever coming back. Yeah. And then somewhere along the line, it just kind of organically grew into Gone Too Far.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The the decision to bring uh, the two brothers together the mm-hmm. ni- the one raised in Nigeria and the one raised in London you said is inspired by your sisters
0: yeah it was inspired by my sisters so yeah. it's
1: rubbing those two ideas together the, yeah. uh, the the rubbing the idea of the shopping centre and the shopping centre which in which you you kind of been followed around all the shops mm-hmm. and your little brother who goes out to the shops and ends up going and just like, goes off mean, yeah, with, all with the, the, time. the cultural clash of your sisters yeah was it fun to write.
0: Oh, it was so much fun. Um, I also
1: one of my my
0: good friends now. She still remembers. So we used to work in Foot Locker together. So she was like one of my champions because I used to be like, I'm gonna be famous and I'm gonna be a superstar and <laughs> I, I hate Foot Locker, and uh, I'm never gonna work here and people are gonna know like. And she she was she wanted to be a singer and a rapper. Um, so we used to always kind of talk to each other about like what we wanted to do. And yeah. so in her house, I wrote one of the scenes in her house. Um. And I remember writing it, and she would laugh along at it, and she would kind of just be like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like, write more, write more. And so, yes.
1: Were you... but it's interesting that you were writing dialogue, that mm-hmm. you didn't, you know, was it just kind of administrative accident that you ended up on a playwriting course rather than a poetry or a lyric or a novel writing course?
0: Oh, I knew I didn't want to be like an um, author or anything. Right. I knew it was kind of, I knew it was something to do with writing dialogue, but yeah. also like it was kind because of... Because
1: of your inner actor.
0: Yeah. Were you writing
1: for yourself still, although clearly gone too far is about boys? Is there an element of you bringing your own actor to it?
0: I think so. I think originally when I wrote the girls' characters, that's based on the experience of the girls that I know and stuff. Um, But I think at that point I'd given up the idea that I wanted to be an actor. Like, it totally disappeared. Like, I'd I'd lost the passion for acting and it was always about well, okay if I'm not going to act I still want to do something creative yeah. so writing's kind of the next best thing yeah um and also I had the intent that I was like I'm going to be a writer I'm going to be a director and um I'm going to do my own stuff mm-hmm. which is really like I felt that I was going to write Gone Too Far and um I was going to put it on in the community centre and I was going to like do it myself and everything
1: Great.
0: um Great. but then the Royal Court wanted it so I was like all right then
1: <laughs> had you read a lot of plays on that course
0: yeah, we read quite a few, I think. No, we read, like, extra... No, yeah, we did, we did, because that was part of, like, the thing we had to do, like, our homework was reading plays. Yeah. Yeah. You enjoy that? I did, yeah. And do you know what it was? The no- reason why Gonti Farr also came about was that one of the notes was two notes that I got, and I always say this to other writers, which is that write what you know, that was, like, an important note that mm-hmm. Dawn would kind of, like, constantly remind us of. Mm-hmm. And also, it was just that, you know... Your, characters want some, your character wants something and something stops them from getting it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just like, oh, they want to go to the shop and, like, all the stuff that <laughs> stops them from getting to the shop. That's a great idea for a play and, like, yeah. that was it. That was the two kind of things that I had in the back of my mind every time I wrote a scene.
1: And the London that those boys go out to, which is kind of complicated and has an undertow of violence, which the African character kind of rather uh, kind of brilliantly satirises the weirdness of this city. Mm. Was that, uh, how much of that was drawn from your experience of London?
0: So yeah, 100% because I grew up on the North Peckham estate, but um, I moved, we moved when I was 15 to Camberwell um, and... The North Peckham estate. I lived across the road from the boys who were who were charged with murder um, with the Damilola Taylor murder, yeah. and so I remember th- like we used to hang out with them and play with them when we right. were younger. Right. So I remembered them, and so I also remembered that at the time was where all the knife crime and stuff was happening, and I think there was also an article about hoodies that was where one of the scenes originally came from as well, um, because I think I don't know who was the prime minister at the time who said they should ban hoodies. Or was it a Prime Minister? I don't know if it was a Prime Minister or if it was someone. But there was a huge article about yeah. hoodies and the mm-hmm. hoodie culture. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge thing about kids who wear hoodies and could, and kids shouldn't wear hoodies. And I, and that was where, like, um, one of my first scenes came from. That They went to the shop, they had a hoodie on, and then they were told to get out of the shop because of that.
1: Very good. The uh, And then... You gave the play to Dawn or Levi or both? You submitted to the course? No, I just it submitted it into
0: the course, yeah. Right, um, so,
1: so what So what was it like when you heard that it was going to be produced? I mean, oh my god,
0: one. Nina called me, I remember that. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, she was just like, yeah, because um, Dominic was just coming in at the time. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so Nina had read it, and I think the whole team had read it, and um, she called me, she was just like, yeah, so. Um, You've been selected um, as part of, like, the festival. Shortlisted, she said at first, actually. Mm-hmm. So she sh- I was shortlisted, and then um, they gave me some notes on the play. Mm-hmm. And then I had two weeks to kind of address the notes and then resubmit the play. Um, because also, originally, in the, in the original draft, um, Iku Dicey dies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and everyone was kind of... Which is a really good note, because at the time, I think it was... For me, I always felt that things had to have a definite ending, um, and so he died because he, it was a definite ending. Um, but then one of the notes from Dominic was just like, you know, could you think of a different way that this could possibly end? Because he's like, it just feels so tragic, um, yeah. and there's, you know, it's quite a funny play. Um, and then, yeah, I changed it, and then...
1: Is it a comedy saying? for you, that play? You said I mean, it was obviously a comedy. And the film, you've... you've, Yeah, the
0: film had to be a comedy, yeah, yeah, um, because of the way the industry works. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know, just... You know, in the UK, I'm used to writing things that are comedy-drama, because it's also the things that I watch on television. Right. Whereas in the UK, we're very kind of, like, it has to be one or the other. Like, everyone has to... It has to be a, you know just even the way that television works you've got the comedy department you've got the drama department and I think when I first wrote Gone Too Far no it wasn't it was just the play that was funny
1: mm-hmm. um, right, great.
0: so yeah but then obviously part of the definitions as years have gone on and like as people talk about it it's yeah. turned into a comedy
1: Yeah, yeah like yeah. that's
0: what people describe it how as. did
1: you find the idea of implementing notes because that's sometimes something that's very difficult for all, all kinds of writers of all kinds of experience this is your first play having you know not kind of studied drama or playwriting or anything you know, you know stumbling upon the course because you were looking for a creative writing course did you find assimilating other people's notes easy or, or
0: yeah i mean i was lucky in one sense because the notes were always like they were about structure and so structure was something yeah. that i didn't know so i wasn't i wasn't going to fight against notes from people because i didn't know structure so i was learning along the way right. um Whereas I, I could argue about dialogue. If someone said, "Oh, a character wouldn't say that," I could argue and be like, "No, they, they would say that yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. it's based on experience and based on people that I know." Mm-hmm. But most of my notes were always about structure and about and about how we could kind of, you know, how the structure could be defined and stuff like that. And so I, 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 I took on notes back then easier.
1: And what was... <laughs> after, back then you become worse as yeah, t- become, at taking notes? No, you know what? You got I'm more still. Experience.
0: I think that you. I think I'm quite diplomatic when it comes to taking notes. Right. I think I kind of, like, I still remind myself. So Rachel is obviously, like, one of my, uh, Rachel Delahaye is one of my people that whenever shit happens and I'm just really frustrated, I'll call her and I'll just be like, oh, can you believe this person said this? Um, <laughs> but, but in a room, I'm still kind of like, if someone gives notes, I'm like, okay, okay. And then
1: you just leave like, the yeah. room and ring Rachel.
0: Yeah, and then I'm like, I can't. And then I'll come back with a structured argument or structured Response to it.
1: What was the success of uh, Gone Too Far like for you?
0: I mean, it was just amazing. So, at this time, I had a full time job, I was working as a housing officer, um, and I just got the job before I submitted the play into the festival. So, like, I found out about the festival like two months into my job. Um, And it was just, I just, it was amazing because. Also, I mean, actually, you know, what first happened was when we were first casting, I was quite scared because it felt like we weren't going to find the right people. Right. Um, and also, um, I can't remember the name of the actor. He's quite, he's did, he did a lot of plays here. Um, he turned it down because um, he was like, I don't want to do a play that's sit on an estate. And we were just like, oh. like, I felt I was so hurt by it because I thought he was such a good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name now. He was in fallout he's been in quite a few plays at the Royal Court. Um but anyway, so he turned it down. So we would I was like, Oh my god, no one wants to do this play. And I also remember at the Christmas party, so in two thousand and six, um the Royal Court like obviously invites you to the Christmas party. <laughs> and um and they used to have cool Christmas parties back then. did you used to go to it?
1: I I'm I'm sure I did about two thousand five, two thousand six, I'm yeah, sure. They don't do been...
0: the big parties no more, bring it no. back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 they did, did the Royal Court Christmas party was quite an event.
0: Yeah, back it was. It was yeah. huge, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so they did the Royal Court Christmas Party. And I remember <laughs> a group of actors who were, like, they were all on the come up. Like, they were just, like, they just finished Rado or I think Lambda. So, like, real all kind of, like, kind of posh actors. Yeah. Um, they came up to me and they were like, oh, what would you do? And they were like, and I was like, oh, I'm a writer. Like, I'm a writer. And he was just like, oh, that's really good. You know, um, it's so good for, to have refreshing writers and it's good that, you know, it's not, you're not writing any plays that sit on estates. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> my players sitting on the an estate yeah. <laughs> and so from that experience like i felt there was there was points where i felt like an outsider but dominic cook was so good because he was kind of he was so reassuring and he was so like no this is a good piece of work and it's it's good don't worry about it and bijan um he was a director he we just got along so we worked it, it worked out well so even though when we were casting, we felt that we weren't going to find the right people. Um, when they did come in, I'm sure that you have those experiences mm-hmm. now as well. Like yeah. when an actor comes in and they're just right for the job, they're yeah. just right for the job. Um, yeah. So when we got the actors and we came into rehearsals and rehearsals was just so much fun. Yeah. Um, that was when I started to kind of go, oh, my God, you've got something great here. But I didn't expect the response that we got. Um, Because also the audience is very white at the Royal Court, so in the beginning, (laughs) in the first kind of show, first couple of shows, we were just like, oh, would people get it? Are people going to understand it? Not in in a a rude way, but in a way that kind of just like I remember the first um, previews not that many, only we were laughing. And so like the audience weren't laughing. And so we're just like, oh my God, they don't get it. Like, it's just not gonna work. But then obviously I think word of mouth started to spread and other people would kind of like talk about the play. And so by the end of it, like the, the, you know, people became diverse and like, there was like, and people at the time as well, I think at the Royal Court, well, it felt like people didn't want to laugh. And I think the audiences that came to the Royal Court would just burst out laughing, would have a reaction to the play. and that felt kind of different and unique. Um, yeah. And and that was, I think that also kind of just helped at the time. I think.
1: The did you play the take the play to Peckham as well to the Peckham No, Arts, we so. didn't. That, you know that was belong that went to Peckham. Right. Okay. Cool. Because yeah. that was something that started happening in the in the when Dominic was artistic director. Yeah. Yeah. And plays we got to Peckham and to Hackney Empire. Empire. As well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So moving on too far the, went to Hackney Empire.
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, moving it out of Sloan Square kind of changes the play a little bit.
0: Yeah, it did, yeah. and the audience is totally different. Right, in um, what way? In the way that it's just just a lot more diverse in like right. Hackney Empire*, but um, and I also remember once at the Hackney Empire*, um, a couple who came to see it at the Royal Court. or no, they missed it at the Royal Court, yep. so they came to the Hackney Empire*, yep. and they were so upset by everyone laughing that because the ha- they couldn't hear what was going on, So they were like complaining <laughs> at the end. It was just like, yeah, the play was good, but you know, like people just need to be quiet in the theatre. And it was just like, well, no, like this is because also this is how i watch television is it important so, for you
1: the audiences are quiet in the theater what? no it's not
0: not at all depends on the play but yeah. i don't i don't think i think you you should be able to react the way that you react to things um because also when i watch television i've grown up in a household that does a you know it was so fascinating when Twitter started to kind of like you know be popular in like two thousand seven two thousand eight yeah. and people would tweet whilst they're watching television shows right, right, and you right. know like in the news you'd hear people going this is so fascinating this so and it's I was like that's our house like that's what we like we talk all the way through like television and like through EastEnders or like you yeah. know watching a film in the cinema like my mum's always she still does it now like oh what's happening like I'm just watching the <laughs> same time as you like. But, but, so my I'm used to people like having a response to like the piece of work, so yeah. I think also I, I kind of subconsciously I probably write like that in right. in a way because I'm used to people reacting, so I kind of I guess I push the envelope a little bit in the sense I know that that's going to trigger people.
1: So I mean, with the the kind of the great critical response, the Olivier Awards was that what did that feel like? That was a, a kind of a very different cultural experience, or.
0: I didn't know what Olivier was Dominic called me and was just like "Yes, yeah, so you've been nominated for Olivier I was like what's that yeah. he's just like it's like um, he was like trying to explain it for ages he was just like you know it's this really prestigious award and then I was just like okay and he was like um, you know and I think it was when he said it's like the Oscars but for, for theatre I was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> I was like Can my whole family come? He's just like, no, just like tickets for you and Bijan. (laughs) I was just like, okay. Um, So I went there alone. Like, I went there with Bijan. um, And we didn't think we were going to win because um, at the time, Polly Stennan's play, obviously she had a play on after us. And the whole cast, that face, yeah. yeah. So the whole cast, they were all invited. Polly was invited. The director Mm -hmm. was invited. So we were on this little table. It was just me and Bijan. And like, Polly's whole crew was on another table. So we were just like, oh, they're clearly going to win. Yeah. so I like literally I was shocked. Um I think the only thing I first I said was thanks. Okay. When I went on stage I just because I didn't I didn't expect it at all.
1: Could you feel your like your work being read by a wider array of people, people starting to know who you were, people wanting to meet you? That yeah. acceleration can often be very rapid.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I like there was what I really like about theater and starting out in the theater was that People like Roy Williams, I remember in the beginning, who was really generous with his time, but also would come up... He came up to me once and he was just like, you know, it's great that your first play has done what it's done, yeah. but what's important is your... Well, He he. I was fearful as well at the same time, but he was like, what's more important is your second play right. and how people treat you in your second play. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know... Um, because also, that was when the new, like, young writers was, like, the label was, like, this huge thing that was in the press and stuff. Yeah. And so it was myself, Polly, and a couple of other writers yeah. who people just, like, hey, I the new fresh faces. And I was, the pressure was a lot. Um, but I always had someone, and Dominic. Dominic was very kind of, he was part of the people that would sit us down and say to us, like, you know, don't don't allow the hype kind of to get to you and and, but also don't let it frighten you kind of just Mm -hmm. continue to write from the heart and continue to do what you're doing but also what was scary was I was like I didn't know what I did like I just wrote a play so it was almost like I didn't know how to do the next thing because I was just like well I kind of just wrote you know something that I knew so what Um, did you do so then, and then Dominic's advice was like, for your next play, write what you know. Like continue to write what you know until you feel that you're at a stage where you want to explore something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where Off the Ends came from because it was, it was based on on a world that I knew again. Um,
1: were you nervous writing Off the Ends because of the re- response to Gone Too Far, or, or did, were you able to to get back that spirit of just let's let's make a story that I want to watch?
0: I was half. I was in two minds. I was kind of. I was defiant about because I remember. It, obviously, we've gone too far. Part some of the comments are always that it's great that this play is really good and it tackles all these issues. However, you know, it's a play that tackles knife crime. So it's a play that's about you know um, black issues that are negative black issues and stereotypes. Um, and then for me, I was just like, well, actually, that's the world that I grew up in and I grew mm-hmm. up on an estate and and why can't I tell stories that are based on the estate? So mm-hmm. I was quite defiant and I was just like, "I." And it's so funny because in 2007, I remember saying once to a journalist that I'm going to always write plays that sit on an estate. <laughs> 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 I'm just going to do it. That's all I'm going to do. Like all the worlds, everything is going to be sit on an estate. Uh-huh. Um, but that was also a response to people saying, you shouldn't do that. And right, when people great. told me I shouldn't do something, you I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to do it. Yeah so um yes yeah, terrible to, I, I don't know how to like um play the game sometimes I'm really bad at that
1: I think that's probably the best way of playing the game is to realise it's not a game and just carry on and write another thing. I know, but
0: sometimes you don't get work when you're not playing the game.
1: (laughs) Have you found that true?
0: Yeah, completely. In what way? Especially in television and film. I mean, it's changing now because of all the diversity quotas and stuff. But in the beginning, I think a lot of the times people would say, you know, it's great that you had that play on um, that had black leads in it, um, but that's theatre and theatre can take risks. But television and film, we can't take those risks. So you need to have... um, you need to have characters that a majority audience can relate to. And so think about not having those characters as leads. Think about having them as secondary characters and stuff like that. And so I was kind of like, no, I'm just going to, yeah. All the oh. time I was like, no, you don't want a black character. No, it's a black character. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and then, like, obviously I would get work. And so like, things wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Um, But, yeah, I, I just don't know how to play the game. Yeah, I don't.
1: Do you think, this is a complicated question in many ways, but I'm going to ask it nevertheless. Got it then. Do you think of yourself as being a black writer?
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
1: yeah. And what does that mean for you? For me,
0: I mean, I'm not... It's so weird because there's been so many debates and panels and stuff about, you know, writers not wanting to be identified. But I'm just like, for me, I've never been... Someone calling me black has never been a thing that I've taken offence to. And I've never... Because it's it, I am black and I am a, a woman. So I've never felt that... It's, I never I've never taken offense to it um so when people identify like say you know say things like that it just I'm just like yeah okay like I am so I didn't I don't yeah no. it's a weird thing because it's, it's the same like I Twitter is a funny place that because also like when you even say like now, someone made a really good comment about um, like when you say white people, like if you if I type a tweet and I say, oh, you know, some white people, some people go, oh, no, not all white people. And you're just like, but I said some. But then, <laughs> but, but it's the word white that people kind of get riled up about because right. sometimes some people go, oh, well, you know, I don't want to be identified as my race. Like I don't want you to, by saying white, you're putting me in a box and you're defining me. Yep. And I think some black people are the same like that, where they go by using, by saying that and calling me black there's a negative connotation to it. Whereas I'm just like, well, no, there isn't. I'm Mm -hmm. saying what I see and people are saying what they see. So it's fine.
1: How was Off the Ends to write then? Did you enjoy writing it? Was it written with the same kind of sense of energy or?
0: It was not it wasn't because at the time, like it was based on experiences because of my brother and like what he was going through. And Mm -hmm. so at the time it was like, he was coming in and out of prison and, um, And the character David was inspired by his experience and stuff. So at the time it was quite, it was really tough to write a play like that because there were times where I was just like, okay, we've gone too far. I could be personal because it was something that happened a long time ago. And my sisters and I, we'd gotten over that issue that we had. Whereas with Off the Ends, I was really angry at my brother and I was really kind of annoyed about the choices that he made with his life. And so part of that play was always about me kind of, I was putting a lot of that and projecting a lot of that into the play of like how I felt my brother was and the choices that he made and making ridiculous choices and stuff. And
1: then exploring those choices yeah. because you don't judge the character of David in the play. I think.
0: No, I don't. No, and I think that Dominic was really good at kind of giving really good notes um, yeah. because he was he was always every time I had a meeting with him he would always kind of he was able to bring he was always, he, Dominic is so great at giving notes because he he asks questions so he would always ask me a question um, and and he wouldn't expect me to answer it in that moment but part of his note giving was going okay, think about these questions and go off and think about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, uh, and received warmly as well?
0: Kind of, yeah. Apart from the fact that it was called Off the Ends and the ends were spelt with a Z. And um, this journalist um, decided to write an article about how the Royal Court is doing a disservice to black um, audiences by putting on a ghetto play. Um because it it was the um oh, I can't remember his name. It right. was for the Evening Standards. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, because it was... It was in the theater downstairs, so it was up in light So it was just like you know, ends on Sloan Square. Oh my God, that's a huge thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Ashley Waters, who who's you know for a major South London cultural presence and yeah, at the time, yeah, still to a degree, or he
0: is. I mean, still to a degree, but at the time, obviously, he'd just come out of like a, been a few years now since he'd just come out of prison, and yeah. so there was kind of a huge stigma around the fact that he had gone to prison and yeah. stuff, um, and he was getting back into acting it was just gone too far. I mean, so off the ends, I had a hard time with that because I think that because of the negative, well, the the article that that guy wrote, yeah. um, it just, it, it, it kind of put me at my back up a little bit because it was just like people would, they would project their own things onto me. So they'd say, right. Oh, you've written that play gone too far that was set on a state now, write Middle class plays. And at the time I was just like, well, I'm not, I don't class myself as a middle class person. Yeah. So, um, why would I write about experiences that I don't know? Like, I was always told to write about the experiences that I know. Um, and so I felt that, but again, that's part of the problem that we have in the UK, which is that because there's so few and far between, what happens is, is that that play or that piece of work is meant to speak to a wide audience and a wide range of people. And sometimes it can't, because, you know.
1: I mean, the, I it's guess danger that people were responding to at the time um, was the possibility of of creating a phenomenon in theatre that might be described as poverty porn, where if you're getting an audience at the Royal Court, you tend to get quite an affluent audience coming to watch stories about uh, poor uh, black kids or white kids on housing estates and looking at them rather than recognising themselves in them Yeah. Well, oh look at those poor people over there isn't but it that?
0: was aspirational though so like Gone Too Far for me was telling a story about a boy who I mean sorry off the end yeah. was telling the story about, about a boy who they all wanted to get off the end so they all wanted to better themselves in some yeah. way or another, one chose crime one didn't Yeah. and at the time it was all about you know um I think it was a, a, around the times where it was just the, the um, finance financial crisis was happening. So, mm. you know, like where, you know, you're told to live a certain life. So with Kojo, he's told to kind of do the right thing, have yeah. a job, have a mortgage, have all of those things. Um, but that also crumbles and falls apart. Yeah, um, and it's really weird because I think that, had the play been on at a different time, I think it would have been received, like, differently. Uh-huh. And I think just at the time, because it was, I had a play on before and then I had this play on, I think there were other people who just felt that, no, we need to see, we need to see something different. We need right. to see something else. Um, Yeah, and, and I guess it's just that, yeah, because it's the Royal Court, they just, like, give another writer a go or give another writer a chance. What do you mean? Because obviously the Royal Court is is the home of new writers. So it was just like, my second play, I think people just expected me to to do a totally different subject. Okay. um, And tell a totally different story. Um, Which
1: you did with Belong.
0: Yeah, I did. Right? Yeah.
1: Tell us about the decisions to make that place so different or that world so different. I mean,
0: it's always been in me. So as much as, like, as I said, I'm, I'm quite defiant and I'm kind of like, if someone says don't do something, I'm like, no, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, like, my experience is that I'm Nigerian. My parents are Nigerian. Um... And at the time of, of coming up with Belong, my sister's husband had gone back to Nigeria to get into politics. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wanted to tell that story because there was a lot of people that I'd known, who I knew, who um, felt that just stuff wasn't happening here in the UK. They were just going to go back home. And my dad was like that in the 80s. Like yeah. That was part of the reason why we went back to Nigeria, yeah. where he, he just felt that it just wasn't working out for him here. He's going to go back to Nigeria. And I just wanted to tell that story of like the... the people trying to find where they belong and, like, trying to find um, a sense of belonging and a
1: sense of home. How often are you in Nigeria now? Now, quite well, often. like yeah. Maybe,
0: like, twice a year.
1: Twice a year. Yeah. And what do you learn about London from your travels to Nigeria?
0: London? What do I learn about it? I always think um, when
1: people travel, they travel to learn about where they've come from, not where they're going.
0: That's kind of true, actually. I I mean, for me, going to Nigeria has yeah. taught me about... What, like, I know how to explain privilege to people that don't understand what privilege is. So, you know, like, now, like, there's always people say about white privilege, and people go, I don't know, that's not me. Like, I'm not white privilege. And then I go, I use the example of me traveling to Nigeria, which is that, like, I go to Nigeria um, and I go on my Nigerian passport cause I've got a Nigerian passport. I've got dual heritage. Um, when I go to Nigeria, I go there with the intent to assimilate and be a part of that culture. However, when shit hits the fan, I'm as British as they can be. And I'm back on, I'm, I'm coming back on my British passport. And yeah. that's the privilege that I understand. Like, that's what it is having a British passport. Like there's, I can go anywhere. Um, I was having a conversation with my cousin just yesterday. Um, cause he's, he's, um, studied to be a pilot and, um, but he hasn't got a job yet. And he was talking about he might go to um, America to go and do a course in America, but he's got to wait for his visa to um, come through and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I said to him, Oh, why don't you go to South Africa? He's like, Yeah, I need to get a visa for South Africa. And I was like, Oh, what? You need to get a visa in Africa? Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, just you guys in England that don't have to worry about this visa thing. He's like, Yeah, you guys can go anywhere. So you fly out, out on again,
1: your Nigeria passport and come back with your passport? Yeah, British when I go something. to Nigeria, yeah. 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 It's just easier. The, uh, you said uh, a few years ago, I think that you, you were wanting to be right for screen rather than for stage. And yeah. you talk about the cultural kind of upbringing is television and film that you were kind of engaged with more than theater. Is that still true?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, I love theater and I don't, I think that because obviously I started off in theater, I don't think I'd ever lose a love for theater. And also when you come, when you go and watch a play and the impact that plays have on you, um, it's different to television and film. But mm. television and film, it's just the wider audience, and I, I just... I I want to speak to a wider audience, and so part of why I have enough... Why is
1: enough that? A, why do you want to speak to a wider audience?
0: Because I just feel like I've got something to say, and I think people need to hear it. <laughs> 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 it's really is It's got something to say. I want the world to hear it. That sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? I don't know. What no, it does doesn't, that sound doesn't, doesn't sound weird at all. It doesn't sound weird in the least. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's it. So I... And I feel like I've got global stories to tell, and Mm. I just, and and theatre is, it's limiting in some sort of way, because obviously it's on for a short period of time, and if you miss it, you miss it, and if you're not part of, you know, you can't recreate it again and again, whereas film lasts forever, and television kind Mm -hmm. of lasts forever.
1: What was it like making Gone Too Far as a film?
0: Gone Too Far was, uh, it was, it was stressful, Um, because it took us forever to get it made. Even though, like, now, I'm like, of course it takes forever to make films, because Mm -hmm. it's not... We weren't unique. But I think that what happened when I was trying to make Gone Too Far was... Every time we got a no, the no wasn't, you know, here at the Royal Court, um, if your play wasn't ready, it's based on notes of how to make it better. And it's based yeah. on notes of like, how to structurally make it better or change things around. Whereas like in television, it was literally like, no, we're not going to make this because the characters are black. And it was just, at the time, that's a kind of hard thing to get. Cause like, how can I, that's the story. Like, I can't, can't, what can I do? That. Like, can't, I can't yeah. rewrite that. Yeah. And so, you know, if someone gave me a structural note, I could go away and fix it, I can go yeah. away and learn. Yeah. Um but it's like when you're getting notes of kind of like this is just not the type of thing that we want to make. And then that's kind of like a, a shock because you're <laughs> yeah. just like, Oh, like
1: there's no wiggle room in that. There's no Yeah, there's nothing you can do. That. You just
0: have to find the right people that wanna yeah. make your work. And you were able to do that. Yeah, we were. The yeah. VFI was amazing and like I like even now, the same like I've been lucky in the sense that I've met there, there have been people in the industry that work for certain organisations that are champions of my work. So, yeah. you know, at the BFI, Ben Roberts and Lizzie Frankie are two people who champion my work. Um, yeah. And they're, they're, they're about developing new voices, um, the same way that the Royal Court is about developing new voices.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, when you look at the work that you've made and including the plays here and the plays elsewhere, the play for the National Youth Theatre, the short plays you've written or places like The Tricycle. Are there things which you find yourself returning to or themes which you'd identify in your plays?
0: Oh, all the time. I just think I just write about identity. <laughs> the identity, belonging, and the sense of home. That's it. Those are the three things that no matter what I th- come up with, those are the things that hook me in a story or characters. Characters who are searching for their sense of identity are the characters that I write about.
1: Where's home for you? It's home South London?
0: Home is... A bit of everywhere. Home is South London, home is Nigeria, yeah, yeah. home is London, for sure.
1: And then there's an imaginary home which is dislocated by the experience of it that I imagine coming back to London. Like you talk about going to Nigeria and you 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 want to integrate there. You said or you want to kind of assimilate and and then you find that you're not. Do you yeah. find the reverse in London as well?
0: I mean, sometimes yeah. I think that London. I feel like London's home, and then sometimes you just feel like okay, London isn't quite working. Like especially like for my career, like slowly things are working out now but there was a period when i made the film so i'd done theater for a while and then i made the film and then i didn't have any theater commissions um and and so between 2012 and like 2016 things were quite tough because it was all of a sudden it was just like you're trying to do things but nothing's happening and you're not getting anything made um so yeah it started to feel like okay have I have I made the wrong choices am I in the wrong career am I doing the wrong thing yeah but I know that that's an experience that like most writers go through most writers experience that and I think I'm old if this had happened to me like 10 years ago I think I'd been like I'd cry a lot and I would kind of have, tent- uh, you know, tantrums about it. But now, as an adult, like, I'm kind of like, okay, this is part of, like, it's the, you know, it's part yeah. of it, it's part of the experience. And every writer that I've spoken to who've kind of gone to the next level have always been like, well, I've been where you've been. Like, I've had those
1: moments. Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: So, so What's yeah. a
1: working day for you? Bro?
0: Working day for me is... I work from home, so... Right. I try and wake up early, and I try to. What's early? Early for me is about six thirty, seven thirty. But because
1: that's early.
0: Yes, yeah, early. <laughs> but in the summer I can do it easily. In right. the winter I struggle. Yeah. Um. So early is that time, and then I try and write between like eight, nine to about one o'clock. But social media is a bitch and a killer, and it just. <laughs> It spend a lot of time my kind life. of like
1: just doing Twitter and Facebook and yeah, like, yeah and yeah, procrastinating
0: yeah. and just doing things that I shouldn't be doing instead of doing my work but before I never had a desk and now I've got a desk and I think that I've tried to like I've tried to reimagine You're myself So you never had
1: a desk what did you write on? On the sofa Right
0: Yeah so I tried to kind of now because obviously I had a full time job so I'd go to a job I had a nine to five uh-huh. so now I try to so like this year I've done writing it um, which is that I've I'm trying to see this job as a full-time job. So you've done alright, to... what
1: have you been doing this year? What's been going on? Well so this, this
0: year I've been developing television. Yeah. Um, and that's most of my time's been spent on that and writing treatments. I think it's your generation that brought the treatment thing in because the generation before <laughs> Don't blame you, me, they, mate. They never I... used to write treatments for television. <laughs> you just go in and you pitch an idea, right. and then you guys started writing treatments, and now we have to <laughs> write treatments. <laughs> <laughs> And you used to I write two-page treatments, and now we're expected to write, like, 20 pages. I don't really
1: write television.
0: But you did, though, didn't you? Like Never you had really, your BBC not really. I,
1: I, I made one thing for the BBC with Dominic Savage.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I tried to make a few more things and failed, so gave up yeah, eventually. Yeah, t-
0: TV's, like, the world is hard. It's so hard. Um,
1: so, yeah, you're writing there. You write at home. I
0: write at You've home. You've got your desk. Yep.
1: You, you try and start early. Yeah. Do you write dialogue straight away? Do you, are you a note taker? No, now you... I do
0: like a lot of, obviously now I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm writing about worlds that I don't know about, mm-hmm. or oh, I'm trying to create worlds and stuff. So I do a lot of research. And How do you I do,
1: do that? Of, How do you do the research? I
0: just Google a lot. I right. Google a lot. Sometimes I go to the library, take okay. out books, uh-huh. read a lot, um, and put post-it notes all over my house. Um. And then, because writing I find easy, dialogue I don't have a problem with. Like once I figured out a character and I figured out their world, um, dialogue comes really easy. Writing a script I could do that like in a week or a day, depending on how long the script is. But it's the research before it that I always take forever, like getting together.
1: Do you feel comfortable in the theatre now?
0: Yeah, I do. But I have a commission and I'm struggling to kind of write a play. Commission um, for the Royal Court. For the Royal Court, yeah. yeah. Um, and because the, cause also it's based on issues that happen in the world now and as the issues keep on evolving and people keep on changing, I haven't quite had the time to sit down and go, this is what I want to say and this is what I want to do. And usually anyway, I get triggered um, by writing a play because something angers me or something kind of inspires me um, and... In the beginning, the the play idea came from something that angered me. But now I'm kind of I don't know I don't know if it's age or something I don't know something's happening where I'm I need to find I need to find time to sit down to do it mm-hmm. yeah. Um, oh, really? But I spend a lot of time researching.
1: And the research is internet research.
0: I go to Woolwich Library. There's a library in Woolwich. Okay, cool. Yeah,
1: you, and I go yeah.
0: <laughs> I go and take out books and I buy loads of books on Amazon.
1: The. Uh... If you look back at the Bolarad Bajay of 2006, 2007, 10 years ago, just coming out of uh, the drama school. Yeah. The, um, at where you are now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think you'd say to yourself back then? Chill out. <laughs> just chill
0: out, relax.
1: Yeah.
0: Relax. I mean, it's weird. Like, I'm at a stage now where... Because things feel like it's, I, I feel like I'm on the verge of going to the next level, especially like with my television and film and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, relax, you can take, you just don't need to be so. You like, I, I, I feel like I've got this burning des- desire to succeed, and I feel like also, like, age has a thing to do with it because you're just like, oh my god, I'm getting older. Um, I need to achieve, I, need to, I needed to have achieved certain things in my life, and right. um. And I'm one of those people that put those milestones. So I'm just like, Oh, you should have done it by the time you're 30. You have to do it by the time you're 40. And so like that sometimes can kind of, yeah. you know, get you down because yeah. when it doesn't happen.
1: But it's happening. You've got a generation it's... of writers who look up to you now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's really weird because I always get people who come up to me and go oh you're a writer and I'm like yeah they're like oh yeah like I was thinking of writing this thing and you always I always kind of get sometimes where people just like oh because you're doing it it's so easy it must be easy and then like later on you get people who go oh um I tried it and yeah it's just not that writing thing you do is really (laughs) hard isn't it and I'm like yeah of course it's hard it's not easy but people just assume that it's easy
1: yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Simon.
0: You. This has been really
1: cool. <laughs> yeah. Rachel nice. did
0: say it was going to be kind of fun. It's nice.
1: <laughs> we do a thing at the end of it. So I don't think we did with Rachel. Oh,
0: what did you do? We're
1: producer Anushka. What did you call it? Oh, An- is it Anushka? notes?
0: Ooh, no, have you got some notes?
1: Yeah, she's got some notes yeah. and some questions, go facts and this. questions. Did you write
0: some questions down as we were talking? Yeah,
1: that's what she does, she sits there. you find out, you'll find out, just brace yourself for this. Go on, go on. This on. is the best bit.
0: First, quick question. Go on. Your mate in Foot Locker, did she go on to become a rapper? Yeah, a she did, actually. Her name was Princess Nia. <gasps> But um, yeah, she. Good but then now fresh. she's not rapping anymore. She's just yeah, she's doing her fashion and stuff like that. But yeah.
1: Did she design your hat that you're wearing? No,
0: that's another friend that designed my you hat. got
1: some, have to yeah, them now. Got some yeah, talent in Yeah, what's your Frank Hall, friend called that designed your hat?
0: Masoud. Nice. but his sons of the first tribe is the name of his company. There'll be a photo so people can. Yeah, uh, good sons of oh, the okay, first tribe. And then the other thing. This is just a factual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2005, Blue Water Shopping Centre banned customers from wearing hoodies Mm. see I knew there was the then the then deputy prime minister John Prescott publicly backed it that's it see I told you it came from somewhere it was always in the newspaper and then I tried to google pictures just then of there must be a picture somewhere later on or that John Prescott wore a hoodie,
1: but I couldn't find final. Well, David oh, yeah, Cameron, he when he was Prime Minister or when he was leader of the opposition before he became Prime Minister, he made the argument that we should hug a hoodie. Oh.
0: Yeah, hug a hoodie. Yeah, H- he did. Yeah, which yeah. Which is yeah. not yeah.
1: easy to say in a kind of corrupted Contradiction, Northern accent. Right hug then. a yeah. hoodie. That yeah. nice. <laughs> 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 That's it for me. Very good. That was very yeah. good. Thank you. yeah came
0: from somewhere. My memory is quite bad now, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Mm.
1: Thanks for listening to the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, make sure you subscribe at royalcourttheatre.com or iTunes to get the next episode. You can purchase many of the plays discussed at royalcourttheatre.com forward slash shop or come into the shop at the theatre, come to the theatre, come and see the plays. We're at Sloan Square. Come along, come and see everything. The Playwrights Podcast is brought to you by the Royal Court Theatre. It's presented by me, Simon Stevens, and produced by the remarkable Anushka Warden and Emily Legg.